from uh, about 50 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hey, Murder Fam, and welcome back to Serial Killing, a podcast. My name is Alyssa Carroll, and this is Serial Saturday where every Saturday we go through the life stories of serial killers to see if we might catch a glimpse of why they displayed their famous, vile, and disturbing behaviors. This week's podcast will be on Mark DeTrue. So, disclaimer, disclaimer, this guy messed with children, so this podcast will be a rough one. Just thought I would warn you now. Mark DeTrue was born on November 6, 1956 in Ixelles, Belgium. Please forgive me if I butcher the names of things. So let's get into some history for that time. In 1956, the Soviet Union leader Nikita Khrushchev gave a secret speech denouncing Joseph Stalin. The 20th Congress of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union that was held that February is where Nikita gave his speech condemning former leader Stalin who had died in 1953. He said he was a cruel leader who had created a toxic, suspicious, and terrifying environment in which persecution thrived. He said Stalin's, quote, cult of personality must be dismantled and urged leaders to let the Russian public know just how bad he was. In Monaco, beautiful actress Grace Kelly married Prince Rainier to become Princess Grace of Monaco. They met while she attended the Cannes Film Festival. They had what was called the Wedding of the Century, and it was televised live. Pakistan became an Islamic Republic. Fidel Castro and other Cuban revolutionaries landed in Cuba to start the Cuban Revolution. The UK granted independence for Africa, and in Hungary, Warsaw Pact troops invaded during the Hungarian October Revolution. But not all was death and destruction. Of course, it was actually a pretty good year. In the United States, there was a historical music recording session referred to as the, quote, Million Dollar Quartet, where Elvis, Johnny Cash, Jerry Lee Lewis, and Carl Perkins got together for an impromptu jam session. They met up at Sun Records Studios in Memphis, Tennessee, and sang several songs together. And in 1981, a 17-track album called The Million Dollar Quartet was released in Europe. Elvis also had his first hit, Heartbreak Hotel, this year. 
Also, the first ever television soap opera, As the World Turns, began on CBS. It quickly became one of the most popular daytime soap operas ever, winning several Emmy Awards over the years. And finally, the Summer Olympics were held in Melbourne, Australia. So this was the environment that Mark was born into. Now Mark's parents were Victor Dutroux and Janine Lowens. His father, Victor, was born in 1928. It is said that Victor was the son of a cousin and a niece, so incest. It is also said that Victor's parents went on to have seven children. Four of his siblings died before the age of five, and another died of a, quote, nervous disease at the age of 20, and another died in a psychiatric institution at the age of 60. His mother, Janine, was born in 1935. Janine said that, later in life, her own mother began having delusions and her father had authoritarian and sadistic traits. Now, Mark's father gave an interview to a Dutch news source stating that he was actually not Mark's biological father, that Janine had already been pregnant with Mark when he met her. Now, I could not verify the validity of this information as I found no other sources that stated this, though his children and Janine all deny it. But it was an interview with Victor, so there's that. Now, Mark's mother gave an interview with the same Belgian media source that she met Victor in 1956 in Brussels and became pregnant very quickly after they started dating. Though I'm sure something is lost in the translation, she said, quote, Mark was not a desired child, unquote. Mark himself later stated his mother threw herself down a flight of stairs in order to have a miscarriage because in order to keep her job after finding out she was pregnant, she had to get married and didn't want to. But they got married and both worked as teachers. Mark's parents were described as egotistical, both of them. Janine was said to have been domineering and Victor very aggressive. While Mark was just a baby, the family moved to the Belgian Congo and the parents were teachers there. It was a great opportunity at the time. Victor stated that while they were in the Congo, he caught his wife sleeping with one of her students. However, in the book, quote, Shared Madness with Christopher Barry D. It says Victor, quote, suffered bouts of schizophrenia and ruled the house with a fearsome, irrational temper, unquote. Janine also stated in an interview that Victor, quote, was very focused on women, unquote. And then in 1960, when Mark was four years old, Belgium granted the Congo its independence and nearly immediately civil war ensued. 
This is known as the Congo Crisis, and the fighting was bloody and brutal, forcing the Detrus to move back to Belgium, which was fine because Victor seemed to have issues keeping his teaching jobs anyway. He would never really take any responsibility for the reasons that schools would fire him, but once settled back in Belgium and both parents back to teaching, Mark began school. His parents continued to have more children, five in total. Now, they were described as a very private family that had really nothing to do with their neighbors or the community. One neighbor said, quote, Victor was very authoritarian. He never helped his wife in the household. Only the best was good enough for him. He never cared about his children. If he had candy, his children would get nothing, unquote. And again, I feel something is lost in the translation, but you get the idea. Victor stated that Janine continued to sleep with other men, and it was noted that Janine never showed any tenderness toward any of her children. As Mark attended school, his teachers said he was undisciplined and unbearable. He was very badly behaved toward his teachers, but he might have not known any better considering it was stated by multiple sources that his parents fought constantly and were abusive toward Mark and his siblings. His early teachers described him as, quote, indifferent, cold, numb child who never cried, unquote. As he went on through school, he reportedly began selling pictures that he tore out of his father's Playboy magazines to other schoolmates for money, though he himself didn't seem to show any interest in the women in the pictures. When his mother would have to come to the school for whatever offense he had committed, the faculty noted that his mother was, quote, authoritarian and suffocating, unquote. Then, at 15 years old, his parents finally divorced. The children were then being raised solely by their mother because Victor really never even looked back. Mark's brother Johann said, quote, He was a dictator. He imposed his will. He held the truth. He was extremely jealous and deeply selfish. We were happy when he left. Unquote. It was at this point that Mark began to show signs of serious mental disturbance. He did, however, enjoy engaging in hobbies, showed a talent for metalwork and overall construction. And then, of course, Mark's siblings began showing signs of issues as well. It is said that his brother Paul was severely anxious. Another brother, Johan, became disabled with polio. A sister who actually turned out to be fairly normal, and yet another brother, Serge, who was schizophrenic, bipolar, psychotic. Now, Victor and Mark both stated that Janine had an incestuous affair with Serge. Now, whether or not that is true, Serge committed suicide and died. 
So the inevitable divorce happened between the parents and after, Janine began a relationship with another man and that relationship continued throughout the years. But Mark's relationship with his mother had never been good. Just as he turned 16 years old, Mark was expelled from school for selling pornography. He left home to live out on his own and according to his surviving siblings, it was a relief to everyone. To make money to survive on, Mark began prostituting himself to wealthy men and also drifted around. So this was Mark's childhood, so let's jump right in. To say it plainly, his parents were a mess. Victor was born from incest and his siblings paid the price. Most died before the age of five. The surviving two suffered greatly from mental illness. Studies show that the odds of a newborn who is the product of a very close family incestual relationship are over 50% more likely to suffer an early death, a severe birth defect, or some mental deficiency. Also, with children born from incest, there isn't enough differences in the genetic code, so many of the more severe genetically probable issues and diseases are far more prominent. So you're looking at, you know, congenital physical malformations, severe intellectual deficits, cleft palates, heart conditions, facial asymmetry, very low birth weight, and neonatal mortality. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There was a study that I like to refer to when personally approached and asked about topics such as this. It was a study called the, quote, smelly t-shirt test. It was in 1994. They asked women to smell shirts that had been worn by random men for three days straight and rate what they smelled by intensity, pleasantness, and sexiness. The DNA from both the men and the women were also analyzed. What they found was that the more genetically different the men were from the women, the more the women preferred their scent. Victor was said to have shown signs and symptoms of schizophrenia and was cold and distant toward his children but also ruled over everyone with aggression. He was extremely selfish, misogynistic, and abusive. Victor showed signs of paranoia and accused his wife, Janine, of constant infidelity. He even said that Mark, his firstborn son, was not biologically his, though no other source states that this is the case, and Janine denies his statement wholeheartedly. But then again, Janine was no saint either. Whether or not she was indeed having affairs with other men, she did not hesitate to say that she had not wanted Mark when she learned that she was pregnant. 
She supposedly threw herself down a flight of stairs so that she might miscarry. And it was also said that she showed no tenderness toward her children. So with this said, it should come as no surprise that young Mark showed signs of serious mental illness. He displayed socially irresponsible behavior. He was an indifferent, cold, numb child who never cried. He showed no real remorse or empathy toward his peers and showed an obvious lack of respect for authority. Even with this, I have questions like, did Victor tell Mark he wasn't his biological father? Did Janine tell her son that he was unwanted? His mother was also cold and distant, and yet at the same time, she was authoritative and suffocating. It would appear to me that this constant up and down, back and forth, coupled with inherited mental illness and serious family issues, set Mark up to fail before his life even began. So let's get back into the story. Now, as we know, Mark left home at 16 and prostituted himself to rich homosexual men for money. He also became a bit of a drifter as well. Then he met a girl at an ice rink, and when he was 19 years old, he married his very first girlfriend, 18-year-old orphan Francois Dubois in 1976. Together, they had two sons, and it is known that Marc was not faithful to Francois. While she was pregnant, she later stated that he beat her and was not supportive during the pregnancies at all. And once the boys were born, she also stated that he didn't bother himself with spending time with, bonding with, or helping teach his sons anything. They finally separated in 1983 when Francois caught him sleeping with a primary school teacher called Michelle Martin. Michelle would of course become his second wife later. And speaking about his first wife, he told a friend, quote, I passed her on to a friend because she no longer suited me, unquote. He told his mother that Michelle was the woman of his dreams. Janine said her impression of Michelle was that she rarely ever spoke and was small. I don't think she meant physically. Michelle would go on to give Mark three more children. Now, sources say that Mark and Michelle would invite other women to sleep with them, but it was also during this time that Mark began to attack young girls. In one attack, he shoved a knife between a six-year-old girl's legs to make her give him whatever money she had, six years old. He also began filming his sexual encounters with other women, again, mostly young girls. He kidnapped girls to torture and rape them, and he kept them confined. And he began also producing child pornography and even dabbled in stealing cars. Now, I don't know exactly how he got enough money to do this, but it was around this time that he began to buy other rundown properties. 
One theory is that he was kidnapping girls to sell in the sex trade and producing child pornography for profit as well. But again, this is a theory. So in February 1986, both Mark and Michelle were arrested for kidnapping and sexually assaulting a total of five young girls. Needless to say, their three children were removed from their custody and not given back, or at least not any source said so, thank God. The trial didn't happen until three years later, where he was sentenced to 14 years in prison. Michelle only served five years for her part in the crimes. And yet, three years after his conviction, Mark was released on parole. A YouTuber by the name of Joshua Miles was able to find the name of the judge that released Mark and also found out that this particular judge was a bit known for setting pedophiles and rapists out on probation early due to good behavior. So there's that. Now, Mark's own mother, say what you will, wrote to the parole board and told them that she believed 100% that her son would reoffend once he was released. You see, Mark is very much a classic psychopath with traits such as ruthlessness, charisma, impulsivity, persuasiveness, inability to distinguish between right and wrong, all of these traits. Psychopaths are set apart from the rest of the population due to a lack of empathy. They will never be able to sympathize with someone else's feelings or care that someone else is suffering while they thrive. They actually feel superior during their own chaos they create. They are incapable of believing that there is anything wrong with them. You see, if you have ever actually worried that you might be a psychopath, that in and of itself proves that you are not. Do you get what I'm saying? They cannot be cured. While in prison, Mark was able to convince a psychiatrist that he was mentally disabled and therefore qualified for disability monthly payments, which added up to about $1,200 a month. Free medications such as sedatives and sleeping pills and other benefits, and once he was released, he took full ownership of everything he could get all acquired by the careful manipulation of a psychiatrist by a psychopath. After Mark had been released in April 1992, it was reported that several young girls went missing around the neighborhoods of the houses that Mark owned, and he owned seven houses. So where did a pedophile child rapist who was dependent on government welfare get enough money to buy seven houses? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Oh, and Michelle was released and the two immediately reunited. So in June of 1995, two eight-year-old girls were kidnapped and drugged using the very sedatives prescribed to him then repeatedly raped and abused while Mark recorded all of it for child pornography. 
Mark had actually been the prime suspect in the girls' disappearances due to his past similar criminal acts. And in fact, when the authorities had gone to the house, they heard screams of little girls, but said that they thought it had been coming from children playing outside, not the dungeon that Mark had built in the basement of one of his houses. Oh no. And a locksmith with the police said that it was definitely coming from inside of the house and that he would tear the house down to find these children. To which the officer said, quote, Who is the police officer here, you or me? Unquote. Two months later, Mark and Michelle kidnapped a 17-year-old girl and her 19-year-old friend while they were camping, and he took them to one of his houses, only, you know, the dungeon he had below that house was already occupied by the prior little girls. So he instead chained the teens to a bed in the house. After raping and torturing the girls and documenting it for it, and documenting all of it for a month, he drugged both teens, took them to another area, and buried them alive while they were unconscious. Mark then had some issues with some accomplices regarding a stolen van. Threats were thrown around, and one of the associates called the police. Now, since the accomplice Mark was with at the time, named Weinstein, conveniently, was wanted by the police, he decided to hold him in his dungeon. He then fed him food laced with a sedative and placed hose clamps on the man's testicles to force a confession out of him about where some money was hidden. He then made sure Weinstein was unconscious and buried him alive as well. But it wasn't long before Mark was arrested for the theft of the van. While he was in custody, he had left strict instructions for Michelle to leave fresh food and water for the little girls in the dungeon. But Michelle did not, saying she was too afraid to go into the dungeon. So those girls slowly starved to death. Their bodies were later found in the yard of another house he owned near Weinstein's body. Now, there are reports that Mark's mother actually wrote a letter to the police stating that she knew that her son had kidnapped two girls and was keeping them in his house. And yet, no one followed up on that information. Mark was released again, and in May of 1996, Mark and another accomplice kidnapped a 12-year-old little girl who was riding her bike to school. She was put in the dungeon where she was nearly starved to death and repeatedly raped. In August, three months later, Mark and his accomplice kidnapped a 14-year-old girl while she was walking home from a local swimming pool. Now, someone who had noticed an odd van in the area just happened to take note of the van's license plate number. Thankfully, four days later, after the person turned in the license plate number, Mark, Michelle, and the other associate were arrested. They searched his house and at first found nothing, 
But the accomplice finally fessed up and told them of the dungeon Mark had in the basement of his house. The authorities went back and discovered the door to the dungeon was behind a bookshelf. They found the two girls alive inside. In a plea deal, the accomplice took the police to the buried remains of Mark's other victims. Hundreds, guys, hundreds of commercial adult pornographic videos and an insane amount of homemade porn between Mark and Michelle were also discovered in one of the homes. There were thousands of hairs found in the dungeon, but were not tested for DNA for a very long time. There were also tapes of Mark constructing his dungeon, tapes of him raping and torturing young girls. During his initial arrest, some of these tapes had been found but were never reviewed and were even returned to him after that initial release. Can you believe that? In 1998, he attempted to escape prison by overpowering a police officer, but he was captured a few hours later. Now, while they only have proof of a few of the little girls and the teenagers that he had assaulted or murdered, they think that there is close to a hundred. Now, most of Belgium, including both of Mark's parents, believe that he was part of a high-profile pedophile network that included very high-ranking members of the Belgian government and the elite. Their media actually claimed that before he was removed, a judge was on the verge of publicly releasing the names of high-level government officials who had been recognized on some of Mark's videotapes. It is believed that Mark and businessman Michelle Nihul had been planning on a long-distance prostitution ring with girls from Slovakia and child prostitution as well. In his conversations with psychiatrists, Dutroux expresses his hatred of society itself. He said, quote, It is not true that I am not adapted to society. It is society that refuses to make a place for me. Unquote. So, was Mark part of an organized network of pedophiles? And was he protected by contacts at the apex of society? Despite an exhaustive investigation, a document of 440,000 pages and statements of 700 witnesses, one of Belgium's most astonishing crimes remains shrouded in mystery. So what do you think? Also, I thought I'd tell you that I have merch if you I thought I'd tell you that I have merch you can get if you visit teespring.com backslash stores backslash serial hyphen killing. And I'll put that link in the podcast notes below that had been requested. So there's that. You can also always leave me a comment on Instagram at serial underscore killing or on YouTube under the same name as this podcast. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening and have a great day.